1: Welcome to Episode 557 of the Barcelona Podcast brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Jilton, and we had a change of plans this week. Instead of sharing the wonderful collaboration that I've been working on and teased earlier last week, instead I brought on my collaborator in that project, Rob from the popular YouTube channel, Robbie Lou, for some regular Barca chatter because there was too much news. I knew midweek that we would have a little bit of rumors and all that stuff, but there was just too much chatter this week. And we have that big project that we're working on, but we want to take a few more minutes to breathe with it, moments to kind of sit with it and work on it, because as I was working on it, I did realize that the Champions League is also less than a week away, so there are other things to keep our focus and our attention on in the short term. So first and foremost, though, welcome to the show. Rob, how's it going? Thank you, Dan. No, I'm happy to be here. I've been a
2: listener of the pod for probably like three years, and so I'm happy to contribute to the team.
1: Well, in three years, then you have definitely heard me talk about Frankie de Young exhaustively. And that's what we're going to do today because that is our big topic, Frankie de Young. Because whether this is real or not, there's always some truth to it. We know that. It's the same story for the last three seasons. And again, I wanted to bring on a new voice because people have heard this from me too many times already. <laughs> the last three seasons, there comes that moment or multiple moments in every year when Barca puts pressure on Frankie de Young through the media and probably internally as well to either renew or they want to sell him before he can leave as a free agent in 2026. And Barca owes him a lot of money until then. Somewhere in the ballpark of, I will try to say this slowly, and maybe even whisper for those who don't want to hear it, 112,500 million. That's not 112,500 euros. That's 112,500 euros. Million, sorry, million euros. And that is a lot of money. Someone said, I can't even get it out. In two seasons, he will be... 23.5% 23.5% of the total payroll on the wage books. And Lewandowski, by the way, will be a total of 17% of the total payroll. After this season, in totality, Barca will still owe Frankie de Jong 77 million euros until the summer of 2026. And just throwing it out there, by the way, that this club still owes Lewandowski about 81 million euros. And we know there is, I believe, a team option though for that final year. And there are a certain numbers that he has to hit or else that uh, last year is, is not necessarily happening. But anyway, on that contract till 2026, if you would hit all those metrics, it's 81 million. Koundé is at 54 million until 2027. Rafinha is 50 million owed until 2027. And rounding out the top five is Ferran Torres at 40 million owed until 2027. So De Jong, Lewandowski, Koundé, Rafinha, Ferran Torres, those are the top five that Barca owes until 2026 and in 2027. Now, Money is a boring thing, but that is what this is actually always about. But the problem, as we talk about this Frank and Young situation, Rob, is that it has not changed. And Barca will continue to have issues as long as those, all those numbers are on the wages. Even with the Socios still owning FC Barcelona and no super rich American or Saudi or Qatari or whatever owner saving the club, Barca still, with the income reports that came out, they still did really well in terms of income last season. As I keep saying, the problem isn't the financial health of the club. Barcelona is fine. It's that the wages of the squad are too much for FFP when taking into account the losses that the club is still dealing with in regards to COVID and the outsized contracts that were signed pre-COVID. The move to Montjuïc has also hurt gate revenue. I've talked about that extensively as well. And the new wages that are now owed the players who those levers were pulled for. So not even the lost income on the levers, But it's about the fact that Koundé, Rafinha, Lewandowski, those levers were pulled, and now those players are to be owed. But as long as those wages are on the books, Barcelona will continue to be in, as Rory Barlow said two weeks ago on the show, the risky, virtuous cycle where success was supposed to save the club, and that success has not come. As I said, the money side of things, which is what this is actually all about. But, Robbie, for posterity's sake, okay, we'll have a little bit of fun with it. Let's talk about why Barca would or wouldn't want to do this based on the player on the field. Okay. So Barcelona knows that Frankie de Jong is a core part of their success. He's one of the captains, but even numbers aside, Rob, how do you feel about that move?
2: I have recently shifted my opinion. I think I've been a profoundly positive voice or I've tried to be about around Frankie for a long time because of you know, I what he brings at times when he can be in the position that he's best at is, you know, unparalleled in world football for most of it. But it has reached the point where we can't afford to be paying him as much as he is earning. He he doesn't deliver us thirty seven point five million euros per year in quality, mm-hmm. and that is becoming to become apparent to us, especially without this pivot position being solved and with money continuously being allocated to other places, it's it, it, it's beginning to really look poorly on Frankie because he just clearly is not helping us win games uh, enough to justify earning that much money. I made a video about it in September or, or November talking about how when he got injured this season, he the team really struggled to move the ball through the middle of the park. And, and you know, that's what he's great at when he has the freedom of a defensive midfielder to cover for him, he can run with the ball like really nobody else can in world football. He's incredible when he can do that. But, and I said, if he did do that and he helped the club win a Champions League or compete in the Champions League and win La Liga or be right up there the entire season, he could make himself worth it because I don't know how good this team would be without him. But now we're seeing right now that the team is still really struggling with him. And whether that is, or is not because he's playing out of position or he has to cover for space that he shouldn't have to, or or ideally wouldn't have to with him in this position, he is uh, playing the way he is with the club playing the way it is. He is not, we should never be paying someone that much money. He's the second highest earner in world football and, or in the top five leagues. And with the way Barcelona is playing, we shouldn't be paying the second highest wages to someone in
1: world football, especially someone who needs another player to be unlocked. Well, to that point about defensive midfield, I would argue that what we saw with him, with Christensen next to him, that that is his natural position with the uh, actual defensive midfielder with him. That's why I thought we saw the best of him last season next to Busquets when they finally figured that out after three and a half, four years. It took a while. And I really would love to see him next to a top defensive midfielder. But the irony is that Barca can't afford one of those with him on the wages. It's just, it's not, tenable for the the wage bill to support those two together and over the summer you know I was pretty devout in saying when talking about the midfield that Barcelona is totally different without Pedri above all other players and the numbers did prove it between last year and the year before and then this season though the team suffered as you mentioned with both De young and Pedri out and is now suffering in a different way without Gabi but the tide mm-hmm. has shifted somewhat on terms of the Pedri conversation with Gundogan picking up those 10 assists and taking some of the weight off of Pedri and what is expected of him offensively. So I think the argument has shifted and I'm willing to move myself with that has shifted as to whether Gabi or De Jong is the most essential player to Barcelona playing even reasonably okay or not. And that their total level completely drops off without one of the two. And it's not an individual game. So there is no way to quantify the, impact of just one player but you get the point that i'm saying here that there's a new argument as to whether or not gabi or de young is more essential and i think there is very much an argument to be made that a midfield trio or even if whoever it is i know it's not going to be shabby with his box four midfielder but even if they wanted to play four midfielders that the idea of gabi pedri Gunduan, and an actual defensive midfielder a pivot we're going to just I'm going to get to him in a second here, but we're going to hypoth- hypothetically say, you know, De Dieng is sold for 100 million euros, and then that means Barcelona are able to go out. They pay this, what is it, 70 million? Or yeah, it might have gone up, but anyway, let's jump into it real quickly here with Martín Zubamendi, because I'll repeat this later. But let's say they don't make the Champions League places, that being Real Sociedad, which they might, but they also might not because their run of form recently has been pretty terrible. So they mm-hmm. miss out on Champions League football. I think it's gettable. Again, we say De Jong says, all right, fine, you push me out. I want to go 100 million euros and they're still going to pay some of his salary, those deferred payments and all that stuff, sure. But 100 million euros, then they get Zubamendi. I I think there's a very fair argument that either three of Gundogan, Pedri and Zubamendi or Gabi, when he gets back and healthy, Pedri and Zubamendi with Gundogan, who knows, you know, he's 32, will be 33 next year. So maybe he rotates in a bit more. But, whether three or four of those midfields with mendy at the base of that pivot, that might be preferable. And that might have a lot more balance than any midfield with De Jong alongside Pedri and Gabi. There is this fear, really, that I think back to last season, that Villarreal match where it was 4 nothing in, what was it December of last season? So 2022, mm-hmm. that was the one and only time when I remember writing in my notes, 10 of 10, De Jong, Gabi, Pedri, this was perfection against a leaky Villarreal side in transition mm-hmm. with a lot of space. But if a team isn't playing exactly that way, I don't think we've seen a 10 of 10 performance from that trio together. And again, Gundogan has come in and become somebody that, that Xavi can't take out. But you get the point that in the long run, even, Gundogan is obviously not the answer. He's going to be 33. So the long-term future of your midfield, other than whoever's coming from La Masia, is, I think, an actual top-level pivot and probably not Frankie De Young.
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash Bluewire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippin or LeBron and Dwayne Wade? I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Pouyol or PK and Mascherano, or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. <coughs> Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, and all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way, because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com tbpod, all lowercase, Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash tbpod.
2: Yeah, I, I I completely agree. I think with the way it was, it was nice to see him playing a little bit more freely in the past two games with Christensen there. Uh, I think we have seen a better Frankie, because I think leading up to Christensen being tried as CDM, I think he looked very poor, but I think what you said with, without Frankie, his, What he is good at can be replaced by Pedri and Gavi, you know, maybe not perfectly, but what Pedri and Gavi can do can cover that. And I think the team is overall going to be better if they have a Martin Zubimendi or an Onana or someone like that covering that defensive position, and letting Pedri and Gavi figure out how to cover for what we would lose without Frankie. And having Gundo up top again is—he's been, you know, incredible form lately. So,
1: yeah, it's it's a weird. Comparison that I'm I'm making here, but he does remind me a lot of the NBA and I. People, some people hate this, but I I like the basketball comparisons. But I think of him in world football as a level of like an Anthony Davis, who I know he won a championship in 2020 in the bubble, but a Paul George or an Anthony Davis, where and we're not talking about the injuries because both those guys have been doing their career. And Frankie Young is Mm -hmm. generally an Iron Man; he eats up a lot of minutes. And I've said he's really important to that, but that you know, when he's playing at this top level, that he's one of the best that you're talking about him. Again, I'm doing the basketball thing. Cause if we're having an MVP conversation, there's so many times when you you'd say, would you rather have this player or Anthony Davis? And you go through that at the top of his level. And you're like, well, yeah, Anthony Davis to do this or this or this. And same thing with Paul George, like an ISO score. Like, of course I take Paul George over this player, this player, this player. And you go through that list and you wind up saying at the top level, this is what they give you. But Frankie de Young, because of I think just like those two as well, that they'll have these two months of stretch. You're like, okay, that's the guy. And then Mm -hmm. the rest of it, you're like, but you know, it's not even inconsistency. It's just that the consistency of being one of the top five midfielders in the world isn't there. But then you, you look at his talent and level. And when you start to list the top 10 to 15 best midfielders, Frankie's probably on that list just because he gets there by being enough of one of the best midfielders. And we know that we see the eye test and you go, his top level is top 10 to 15, but his consistent level is not top 10 or 15 in the course of a season. And I think mm-hmm. that is what it, what's tough about him because if he made, say, $15 million on the wage bill, his versatility to play center back and the different permutations of substitute patterns, and again, what he is good at, where he may not be the best defender, but the fact that he's able to drop in and what he provides you in transition is and all those different things that we know that he can really excel at. As far as midfield dribblers in space and, and pacing a game in the Liga, he's one of the top two, three at that skill. But again, we're talking about ball winning, which is never going to be his thing. And it may be something he can improve upon, but we've seen that at this point in the game, he needs somebody next to him to really just be a ball winner. And again, now you're making some of what he does redundant by Pedri and Gabi, and then same thing with the pivot in positioning. So again, if he's 15 million, Mm-hmm. Between his versatility and his abilities, and again, the top level we know he's capable at. You keep him. You just you keep right. him around. Fifteen million would be great, but that's not the case. And what's interesting is who Barcelona is replacing him with is where the real worry comes in with this conversation, though. Because again, I'm not. This is not against Frankie De Young. This is against thirty seven point five million euros. That is always what I'm arguing against. This is not personal about Frankie De Young. I would. I, I was so excited when he came to the club. I would love to have him in the club if he was somehow able to reduce his wages. I don't know if it'd be smart for the club to say, hey, all right, we're going to stretch your contract out to 2032, and we're mm-hmm. going to put you on, what is it, 10 million or 12 million or whatever, and we're going we're to ease that out. Because when you mentioned the names, three names this week, Amadou Anana, the 22-year-old from Everton, to, to me, of what I've seen, his ball-playing ability and in transition, I, I don't think it would be a perfect fit at Barcelona or in the Liga, and especially at that EPL price point, I think it's just a bit too much. Dion Lopi, 22 year old who plays for Ameria, 40 million euro release clause that would go down with Ameria relegated, sure. But I mean, very much like Ordo Romeu, I know he's young, 22, he could get better, but that seems like a stopgap to me when I look at, again, even Mark Bernal will say, all right, are you going to get another stopgap and then hope that La Masia kid is a kid in two to three years? Sure. And then Alexia Garcia, who it isn't a perfect fit. And we've seen when Real Madrid completely overwhelmed Girona that if you didn't have a perfect fit there, Alexia Garcia at 20 million euro lease clause that might be lowered with Eric Garcia, Pablo Torre, or Romeo returning the other way. Sure. If you get him for 15 million euro, 15 million, and you get him for 12, then in theory he's replacing Frankie DeYoung, yes, but then you still need a defensive midfielder. Like I don't think Alexia right. <laughs> Garcia actually solves that problem. So maybe just put that 20 mil or whatever you're gonna pay him and you throw that on top of the transfer fee for a defensive midfielder. And then you just try to right. get the job done for that pivot. Yeah, I mean, unless unless the club really does. Again, he's 16. I think he has sky-high potential. But again, this Mark Bernal kid, 16 years old, he is really, we're talking three years away from reaching the level that Barca will need him to be at for the success that they're looking for, to compete, right? Like, if anyone else, again, by that time, Pedri will be his mid-20s, hopefully healthy. Right. Gabi will be his mid-20s, hopefully healthy. Laminemal is to only be... 19, he's 16 too. So we'll only be 19. But, you know, I think Barcelona could be competing in a world where Lamini Ball is 19. Marc Bernal is 19. Everyone else is kind of in their mid, early to mid-20s. And then you've got other experience elsewhere. I mean, again, Ronald at that point will be 27-ish, right? I think mm-hmm. that kind of squad can compete, but you can't compete with Marc Bernal at 17 next year or even no. potentially 18 the year after. So I think Barcelona still do need a top-level defensive midfielder, in the interim but they do need a guy of high high quality so Barcelona can't compete they really have to compete Mm -hmm. and they need that guy to compete
2: yeah I I I don't think especially Garcia he's I I got excited about him when they first talked about him but I really didn't know anything about him just that he played somewhere near the defensive midfield for Girona and they were playing well but he I see him more as a very like for like comparison to Frankie he, he doesn't solve the problems that are left without him. And it, he's just a worst version of Frankie de Jong. And that's okay to get if we are getting, I don't know, someone like Onana or something where we need someone who can play the ball next to him and, and do that and facilitate that and maybe take time away in that position from if they're going to try Gavi there, if they're going to play Pedri deeper, whoever's going to play there sharing that time with Garcia might be okay, but he is, he isn't that guy. And so I, I, I don't know what that leaves us with maybe Zuba but with I see Frankie right now in this squad as he he I took economics in school. He's a luxury good, right? When when we can afford an expensive nice thing, he is an expensive nice thing to have in our team. When we have other expensive nice things around him that let him be what he is expensive and nice for. But right now we need someone who just can you know be that whatever destroyer or play that position more solidly than Frankie is. And so I, 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 yeah, I'm firmly with Frankie needs to go. I, I don't think keeping him, even if spreading his wages, like you said, I don't know if that's the right, the solution. I don't think it is. Well, so, unfortunately
1: there's almost a redundant conversation because in talking more about Zubamedi, I keep saying that name, but as I said, if they make champions league again, they got to the knockouts this season and he, and that Real Sociedad project if he wants to stay, he's going to stay. He's not going anywhere. Right. And Mendy just extended his contract as well to give Riasso Cidad a major payday. So I think unless an EPL club is coming in for a huge, huge number, or again, Riasso Cidad missed the Champions League for next season, that's the only way Zuber Mendy's leaving. And De Young is the same way. If that guy doesn't want to leave, there is no club in world football right. that's going to match his wages. And if I, I, were, I said it last week, I'll say it again. He just had a baby. Like they, Him and his partner just right. had a baby in Barcelona. Why would you want to raise your kid in any other city in Europe? Why would you want to leave? He's, he's, right. that was a family there. He's technically, we'll say, grown up there. I mean, you're in your early 20s, so you know it that like there's mm-hmm. the formative time and you get connected to an area and, and it's, it's difficult to want to leave after that. It, it is tough. So, you know, I also saw this week because it's midweek stuff, outrageous stuff, Rafael Leo. And that's be my question to go back to Zubimendi in the pivot position. You can't talk about Leo then why not, again, Zubamendi? If, if Barcelona has 150 million euros to spend, no, no. then you break that up and you bring in some kind of winger, other winger, and, or on the left side, and then you bring in uh, Zubamendi or pay whatever everybody else you are asking because maybe they'll do business with Barcelona, and he will be so much more expensive than Zubamendi too. I mean, AC Milan is asking 150 million euros to start I just, what are we even talking about with that? Word? It's ridiculous. Yeah. It,
2: I, I first of all, I don't think he's worth anywhere near that right now. Every time I watch him, there is is very streaky. Sometimes he looks incredible, and he can be that, you know, spark to change a game. But a lot of times he isn't. And and if we're spending that that kind of money, I don't, I just get infuriated when I see things like this because more and more, I just feel like Laporta is just not doing what he needs to do. He's making the wrong decisions, similar way to how I felt with Joao Felix coming. This summer, Chavi didn't want him and he's the coach. He's the manager. Shouldn't he tell you what he wants and, and and you should listen to him? Laporta chose a different direction. And I'm worried that that will kind of overshadow a lot of the decisions, transfer decisions that happen like a layout coming opposed to, you know, maybe buying Zubimendi and then trying to throw whatever else you have together for Nico Williams, something like that.
1: Yeah, it's interesting though because there's, there's a what-if and uh, you never know what's going to happen because if Dembele had renewed the way that Xavi would have wanted, now it's interesting because he's playing on the left wing for PSG. And mm-hmm. my question would have been that hypothetical, right? That Jao Félix doesn't come and it's Dembele on the left, probably Ferran is behind him, and then it's Mall and Rafinha on the right side. Maybe. Like, d- does Laminimo mm-hmm. have now... He's given been given too many minutes and too much space to grow... But he has been so good in every minute. His, I mean, I, I saw a... Now, it's a little leading here, but as a Barcelona fan and as the Barcelona podcast, we're safe to talk about this here. But I saw a side-by-side statistical comparison between Mall and Marcus Rashford. And just mm-hmm. based on per 90s, Mall has been better than Marcus Rashford this season, which going into last season when Manchester United did what they did to Barcelona and Rashford, I heard, 100 million euros. And for right. Lamini Mal to be outplaying Marcus Rashford in the minutes that he has been on the field this year, yeah, I mean that's not good. That's even Manchester United, but for Barcelona, they know they have the guy. They know they have the guy mm-hmm. moving forward. So I do wonder if, I mean, maybe it would have been a perfect scenario. Like maybe Xavi would have had it. Like he would have given Lamini Mall the perfect 600 and 900 minutes that I wouldn't. Right, have right, 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 close right. Opposed to the again twenty six hundred that he's probably going to play. Unfortunately, yeah, that, that's worrying. Some that's just worrying some stuff. But it's yeah, it's hard to play those what ifs and all that stuff now. Another what-if that I'm not really playing is Ronald Araujo not staying at Barcelona. That's not really a what-if. I, I don't expect him to be sold. Apparently, his agent met with the club this week to discuss the renewal. So they're going in that direction as opposed to Bayern Munich. And Araujo, you know, this is an interesting thing because I don't know if they are negotiating from a place of strength, to be honest, due to his form this season and his number of injuries that he's already accrued in his career. But yet, Barca also know how important he is how he's a captain of the future, how much of a leader he is. And I think he and an agent know that. So I I don't know. It's an odd thing that I think the number might fit everybody, if that makes sense. Because Mm -hmm. again, Barcelona can come to the table and say, we've conceded 33 goals this season in in 24 matches. The second worst so far (laughs) in the 21st century. The only worst season was 2000, 2001, having conceded 34 goals in the same amount of time. And I could tell you that season was not a good season. That was, that was <laughs> not a good season. There were bad times in that season. And that was the last time his defense has been that bad. So I, I, I do wonder how this negotiation is going to go, because I think both parties want him to stay. And yeah. I just, I wonder how that, I wonder if there will be any roadblocks along the way. I, I doubt it uh, from everything I know about
2: Ronald Rajo, I, I just, I doubt him ever wanting to leave. Um, you know, obviously if the club falls apart or something, Whatever, but he is like Lamasiya through and through, just like Gavi, that kind of mold. I I see him
1: as. So I, yeah, but Rob, you're falling for the propaganda. He remember he sure he, yeah he, uh, he, he yeah. came to Barca B. I it it gets in my craw too <laughs> when he uh he arrived from Uruguay. Boston River deserves the credit. They're the ones who created him. But yeah, to your point, he did spend two years in at in for Barca B when he's not with the first team. So. Th- for all intents and purposes, he is sure he is he is raised by the the mythos of uh, of La Masia, sure,
2: right. And it's it's not even being from being bred in Lamasiya. It's just the way he he clearly plays. Uh, whatever, yeah, I am falling for the. You know, I'm drinking the Kool Aid right now, but I'm I'm not worried about him. And if if we're selling a center back, I really hope
1: to God it's not ever gonna be him. Well, yeah, I, I've talked about it in weeks past. It's Koundé. I mean, Maybe Christensen has made himself available. I mean, we also don't know who's going to push for it, right? It's, it's about the agents. Right. I just had a Koundé's number. If I, I think Koundé would likely want to stay around for the next manager. And if the next manager chooses him to be the center back with Araujo and say, all right, well, Kubarcia and then Christensen, I guess you're the one who next January they would want to ship out. And I don't love you. Mm-hmm. Because managers pick their favorites. That's how it goes. Speaking right. of managers. Let's get into manager talk here because it seems like every week we're just going to be profiling and highlighting a new candidate. And this week it looks to be Thomas Tuchel. But before we do Thomas Tuchel, I will say it is crazy how Gerard Romero, who does come up on the show occasionally, it's crazy to me with his line about the three candidates for manager, one being Italian, one being German, one being Spanish. That's what he said. And I'm not blaming Romero, by the way. Like, I've said it before in this podcast, and I, I like to flip the hood up a little bit. My inability to make click headlines for six or seven years has cost me a lot of money and limited my reach here. But it's why the people who are listening are listening and the people who watch me watch me. Sure. So I don't blame Romero for saying the thing that he knows is going to get clicks and the thing that is vague enough to, to get the job done. But watch how easy this is. I'm going to do a different version of this. Rob, I have sources that Barca is banking on having three players guide their project moving forward. One is from the Academy, one is a mm-hmm. current captain, and one is a new player that Barcelona have had their eye on for two or three seasons now. You see how easy that is? You're probably oh. wondering who I'm talking about now. Can you guess who I'm talking about? Well, we've got Pedri. No, or Alho, I'm not talking or about Pedri or I just made it up. I just made it up. I, on the spot. Oh, I okay. made it up. I'm not, I'm not talking about <laughs> <with> anybody. <laughs> that's, that's my yeah, yeah, yeah. point. See, right? Romeo right, right. says that, and one being Italian, we know that he's saying, oh, De Zarbi. duh. One sure. being German, is that Flick? Is it? It's probably Flick. I mean, could it be Tuchel? Sure. And then one being Spanish. And there's been a number of managers. Amarion from uh, Sporting CP is the latest one to be mentioned. But again, the reason we talk about Thomas Tuchel this week is because Hansi Flick seems to be the favorite. As I said last week, that he's available, which makes him the favorite (laughs) if he wants to come, then sure. Mm. But he could also replace Thomas Tuchel at Bayern Munich, meaning the musical chairs might place Tuchel as the man available for Barcelona. And now you and I talked about this before air a little bit. So unfortunately, we agree, which is not fun for podcasting, but I I think we agree for the good reasons. Thomas Tuchel, if you watched that Bayern versus Lazio match yesterday, it's a big yikes. Crazy to think also that for Thomas Tuchel, he has been in the last 10 years at Dortmund, PSG, Chelsea, and Bayern Munich, won a Champions League at Chelsea, which sounds like a fantastic resume, but it's also a little bit of a red flag because that's a lot of stops in 10 years. So here's a positive. He's worked with Gundogan before at Dortmund. And Mm -hmm. like Lewandowski, we've seen Gundogan hit uh, double-digit figures in assists for the first time in his career. Great. But the downside of Tuchel is that he has had a broken relationship with every club hierarchy of all the teams that I mentioned. And that included players, too. And from a man-manager perspective, I don't see how that is an upgrade from Xavi. Now, as a tactical sense, he is known as a... Uh, for being really pragmatic in his approach to games. And this approach is largely what led him to that Champions League trophy with Chelsea. But in those wins over Real Madrid and Min City, it is hard to say that Chelsea were the better team. But you know what? Hey, he got the results. And with Real Madrid potentially bringing in Kylian Mbappe and all the talent that they have and the money that they still have to spend, and in comparison to Barcelona's squad for the next few seasons, of all the problems we just talked about, Barcelona might need need a pragmatic manager that can just get results in the Liga and get a result in El Clasico because if you're just doing it on talent and those different team sheets, Barcelona aren't winning El Clasico potentially in the next few seasons. That's a cynical approach to it, but that might be reality. And he has been at the, it's tough because he has been at the most talked about clubs. I feel like we're all so familiar with him without actually being really familiar with him at all because you asked me what his tactics are and it's been different in every stop. At Chelsea, he was praised for moving to three at the back. And for Bayern Munich, that has not worked. And it's hard to say even at Bayern what his project is at all. We've seen them not even struggle. Like they're having a great season, (laughs) but Bayern Leverkusen is outclassing them. And especially again, it seems like I only watch them, that being Bayern Munich this season, when they struggle. So I can tell you what's going wrong, but I'm having a hard time telling you what's going right because when I don't Mm -hmm. watch them, they just get the win and they're putting up a lot of points. You know, as I said, he could be exactly what Barcelona needs. But from day one, you think that the Barca bigwigs are going to be cool with a guy who may want to get away from playing the way that Barcelona expected away uh, to play. And I do say that almost tongue-in-cheek, like whatever the hell that means, whatever the point of, yeah. you know, honestly, how they want to play, whatever that means. But will the Barcelona board be happy with someone who I think will purposely, purposely, not in a Jose Mourinho kind of way, but purposely not cater to the dogma of FC Barcelona in words and actions? You really just have to buy-in, and with words and actions, support the dogma, because I say from day one, good freaking luck with that relationship. But again, the irony might be, Rob, that this might be, as in Thomas Tuchel and that kind of, a guy that's just different, that might be exactly what this group of players need, because whatever Xavi has been doing for the last few months isn't working. But if Laporta and Deco are not supporting their manager the way I don't think Tuchel will be supported, it's going to be a problem from day one. Yeah, Yep, I
2: Barcelona have enough struggles with Xavi as the manager with him being, you know, given full confidence and Laporta doing the transfer deals that he wants done looking at you Joao Felix. It's it's if if they aren't trusting Xavi and putting everything into Xavi, why in the world would they do it to Tuchel who like you said has had so many problems at 47 different clubs in the past 2 years. It's I it's just fantasy football to me. I I don't I don't understand why we're I was scared you were going to ask me about tactics from Tuchel because I don't know anything about the way he plays realistically because he tries different things and it hasn't been seemingly working for him except for you know one game for Chelsea Uh, it's been more than that but I I just don't see him as a, a, a good solution for all but except like you said the team like he he might be good to step away from the board and just have him be fully and utterly in charge of these players. I think the players could see him like that if he can direct it correctly a certain way. It's it. I, good luck doing it. But if he can take charge in a way and distract the players from the board and whatever they're saying, it could be special. It could be good to separate them from whatever Barcelona wants them to play, like the board or Laporta, whatever they're supposed to do. Tuchel might be the guy to do that, but, I, I, again, I don't know if he could. I don't know.
1: Well, I would also be skeptical tactics-wise of looking how Kimmich has not really been... Yes, he's had a few injuries this season, but you'd expect that under Thomas Tuchel, or whoever it is that comes into Bayern Munich, if Kimmich is not one of your top one, two, three players, then you might not be necessarily thriving and, and clicking on all cylinders. And, and Kimmich has not really worked under Thomas Tuchel. It has not been as good as it can be and, you know, bringing this full circle now with today's show, Frankie de Jong is to Barcelona what Kimmich needs to be to Bayern Munich in terms of the, the control and being the metronome for what your team is. At, again, if Frankie de Jong is the best player on the field, then Barcelona probably won that game, or, or at least they were the team on the front foot. And Bayern right. Munich is the same thing. When I come away and I go, wow, Kimmich dominated that game, that means Bayern Munich probably won the game. That's generally how mm-hmm. it works. Because Bayern Munich and Barcelona do operate in that same way where when they win games, it's because they were the better side and they overran their opponent. They probably had more possession and they created good chances and they finished those chances. And that's I know that sounds really reductive because, yeah, of course, if any team does that, sure. But I'm, the, the possession part of it and the chance creation is so important where, again, we watch Real Madrid and that's not necessarily how they play. That, that's not how it works for Real Madrid. They, they get results whether they're coming on the counter or whether they are on the front foot, they, they get goals at final minutes. Like Real Madrid just find ways to win in ways that Bayern Munich and Barcelona, they will have to say they have to deserve to win a lot of the time. And I know, again, that seems to be, it seems to be very reductive and, the, you know, kind of shortening the, the real ideas. But you get the point that for Barcelona, mm-hmm. who they're looking for in a manager is someone that is going to, be given the impossible task of being under the thumb of Laporta and Deco while not being able to make their own decisions, while also having to, again, support the dogma of Barcelona and doing it the way that the board and Laporta want, but also changing things up enough to get results and to win games. And that is really, really tough to ask of, of anybody. So I don't know who that man would be or, or will be, but the only pushback I will have, and maybe this is wrong, but... Is to at a place, and we don't know the man. I mean, he is, again, a businessman, and he has been in charge of this club and around this club and knows this club better than any of us do. But this manager pick does feel like a referendum on his, I mean, next term. If he doesn't get this right, will the Socios turn on him? And I think that is very possible. Again, if Barcelona, I don't think they're going to fall out of the top four with Xavi, but... I mean, they're going to have to fight for it. But it depends on the Champions League too. But we already know Xavi is going to be the scapegoat for this. But I think with a non-Xavi manager, because Xavi represents the club, the next manager will not be like an FC Barcelona guy, if that makes sense. So he's going to have to be Laporta's stamp of approval. And he'll have to be Laporta having gone on a limb to get that guy. And if he doesn't work out, the next manager, I, I, I don't know what that does for Laporta's future. Or if he even cares. Like at his age, maybe he might just... You know, he wanted to come back. He wanted to try to guide the club and maybe he doesn't really push very hard for that second term or I don't know. It's hard to vote too, because he didn't really bring a plan to the table last time. It was all the good faith from the years before. And I don't even know if after one term, the good vibes from before have worn off yet. I don't know. Like I, I know it's a hard question for you because you may not necessarily be old enough to, to remember the first <laughs> era the way I did, but like, right. I don't know there's a lot of questions about Laporte's future that might be tied to the manager, but also as I said, I make the counter kind of argument to myself: maybe not. Maybe it doesn't matter.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I think this—I I, I don't. Th- this is a very difficult position for Laporta to be in because I don't think there is a great solution or an easy solution for this manager position. No. Um, you know, maybe if Nagelsmann throws up after gets fired after the first game for the, in the Euros this summer or something, and somehow he can finagle that. I don't. Whatever. I don't think it's an easy choice for him, whatever he goes with. And I, I, for that reason, I don't think he would even like, I, I know he's attracted to big names. He may, he's made that decision. I think that's why we're hearing so much about Leao. but I, I don't think he would take such a risk on Tuchel, which would actually, I, I, I he's in a tough spot and I, I didn't think about it until this, when you brought it up, Dan, but I, I, I definitely think this could reflect very poorly on him and, I don't know what the club or the socios would be risking by trying to vote him out to, because if they're trying to get a change, right, why not change this guy who, you know, has oversaw this mess. He, he came to solve it. He didn't really in a lot of play, people's eyes. Um, it, it's just a messy situation altogether. And I don't envy well, him.
1: It, it's very similar to what the argument was with keeping Xavi for this season throughout at least the rest of the season, because you say, well, who's the better guy. And I, I say that same thing, like, over and over again with different things, where sure. you know, again, going back to it, the the argument that is made, you know, on the bottom of your comment sections on YouTube and the bottom of my comment sections or in Twitter, that whenever you people say, and again, this is usually people with just fast thumbs saying, "Get this player, get this guy out of my club." Xavi out mm-hmm. in the second week of August or whatever, like yeah. season, whatever, <laughs> no. or get this player out, get him out, get him out. All right? and, and they don't want to have the conversation about Frankie Young's finances. And this fact that for a lot of these contracts, the player choices, you know, even that they don't want to have that. But I say, Hey, if Frankie Young does want to go, then you tell me the player that is going to replace him. If you want the manager out, give me a realistic manager, a realistic manager with, again, with the number that Barca can actually afford to pay their manager. Right. When we even talk about Thomas Tuchel, he would have to make half of what he made at Bayern Munich. And again, that's him being released. So these guys want to stay in these jobs and said the allure of coming to Barcelona is high. But a lot of these managers, the included, will have to basically take, take a lateral financial move or even lower it to arrive at FC Barcelona. And so that is a commitment that these new guys would make to the club. And I think they would say, all right, if I'm taking a pay cut to come to Barcelona, you got to give me a year. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you can't, you can't cut me loose in February... Because, you know, let's say next season goes exactly the way this season has or worse. You can't cut me loose in February because I need at least a year if I'm taking a pay cut to come to Barcelona. So, yeah, I mean, I have not heard a name yet because I don't think there is one that exists because even Garcia Pimienta has distanced himself now from this job. because, As I've said before, I think if a new president were to come in in the next term, then Garcia Pimienta to me would be the favorite at that point. But not at this point under Laporta, the guy who let him loose in 2021 because he would just let right. him loose again. I, I mean, there is also a part in my gut that says, if this musical chairs stops and everyone has another spot and Barcelona still don't have a manager, then Rafa Marquez is gonna be the guy. And I don't think he's the right guy for the job. No.
2: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires
0: downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and NA member FDSE.
2: Yeah, I, I haven't watched much of Barcelona Athletic, but I, I, from everything I've read, I, I don't think a lot of people think he's the guy.
1: Well, I think there's a big difference between the first team and, and the third team. I, I think he's not ready. Like watching him as a manager with Barca Athletic, I I think his in-game substitutions, different experiments that he's tried have not worked playing either Casado or Moya as the right back and then inverting. Like every time I watch Barca Athletic, like his job is to again, give Mark Bernal some time and give these teenagers (laughs) the other, the next teenagers, basically like give the next teenagers a little bit of time, give them some experience and get some positive results, which he has and they're fine. Right. But I, I just, I do not see the experience needed from rafa marquez at this point to make the step forward you know because like even if he got the them promoted or something like i need to see him over amount of time make these players better i do need to see him almost build a project with bars athletic before i can believe he can build something with the first team and there hasn't been enough time to do that and all indications in the club are that He's fine, and he's not really doing that, but he does have the support of Deco and Porta. And again, it's with Barcelona, you know, with the research, as we'll tease this now. We don't know exactly when it's going to come out, but we can let people know and tease the collaboration that we're working on, that it is a deep dive history on a lot of different stuff. So how much, Rob, would you like to reveal about what we're working on?
2: Well, it's going to be one of the best resources to learn about the history of FC Barcelona on the internet, I would say, in a nice comfortable. You can sit down and watch it instead of having to go through 18 different web pages. It's going to be a very convenient and nice way to learn about FC Barcelona.
1: Yeah, I will be putting both our videos because that'll be something coming out from each of our channels. So subscribe to both of those. And we'll both have a video out and I'll put both them in my history of FC Barcelona playlist. So you could just go through and I think someday, Rob, I need to put those in chronological order because it is a little bit of whiplash to go from, from 2006 to 1912 to... to to, to 1992 and it it gets tough it gets tough anyway in the meantime though before our stuff is out where can people find your work so that we don't miss that stuff when it comes out uh you could
2: subscribe to me on youtube at robbie lou um i'm also on twitter at bobley lou um but i'm actually making a video right now it should be up by the time this goes up on uh, ilkay gundawan and the transformation he's had at barcelona it's it's really impressive especially when you look at the numbers the creativity of this guy it's unparalleled not only in football right now but in his career
1: nice yeah like i've said before we're very much like Lemini mall but in the, on the opposite direction of, of age that i think One is playing too much and i would like to see him rested a little bit yeah. because again his per 90 and when he seems like he's fit he's been the guy that barcelona signed at the number he signed that and he's been a good signing i agree so i'm looking forward to your video Again, it'll probably be out by the time I get this out because I like to take my time a little bit. So you can find him on Twitter, as I mentioned, and you can find me and us on Twitter and Instagram at the Barcelona pod. So I am like 20 people away from 2000 on X. So as I've said before, before that website completely explodes, I would love it if you get me to 2000 so I could go down with the, go down with the ship at 2000 on, on a uh, Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it. And then Patreon, close Facebook group, the Morch store, those are all the ways to help me out. But again, The easiest way and the freest way is to give a good rating on the podcast apps. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. That's always a big help. And most importantly, though, thanks so much for listening to the show. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon.